Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 177, which we are recording on Tuesday, October 9th, 2018. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And it's been a while since we recorded. Almost three weeks. Yeah, we've had lots of fun times in the last three weeks, but for now, what are you wearing? I am wearing my confetti two, and I call it confetti two because it's the second version of this sweater that I made. It's a sweater by Vera Valamaki. Gail has also made three. Gail's well, two made and a half, three. Kind of. <laughs> more of a mashup of patterns. Oh, that's right. Okay, so Gail's made two and a half, and I have been wearing this because it's a fingering weight sweater. Very lightweight, and it's easy to take on and off as the weather heats up and cools down, which is what the last two weeks of weather has been like here. We've had very variable days where it goes up into the 70s or it could be down into the 50s. So layering and having a lightweight sweater has worked out really well. This one is a blend of three three individual colors a fade a fade <laughs> i was trying to think how do i describe this it's three colors blended the top is the lightest the middle color is the middle tone and then the bottom is a very dark purple my brain was saying the middle one is the middlest <laughs> that's that word <laughs> But that's what I was thinking. So I've got three colors, three single skeins. It was great to use three single skeins. That's one of the fun parts about creating these fade sets or blended blended sweaters when you use several. I always love that when you like find the perfect way to use up these random single skeins. It's like, yes, I succeeded. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. rewarding feeling. Exactly. So confetti. By Vera Valamaki. And what are you wearing, Gail? Well, before I say what I'm wearing, I have to say that Mike wore his sweater every single day when we were on vacation. It was fantastic to see him wear it. He was raving about it the whole time, and he loves his pockets. The pockets are like the highlight of the sweater for him. So that was the Slade sweater that I knit earlier this year for Mike. It was a huge success in Yellowstone National Park. So that was fun. And what I'm wearing is my finished Elton, which is a cardigan by Hohi Locatelli that I stalked on the last episode. I had found yarn that I really liked the combination of in my stash. And I think the first combination I tried, I didn't like. And I ended up using Western Sky Knits in a one-off color that is a beautiful pink with tiny little specks in it of a darker pink, which matches the coquette Madeline Tosh lace I use. So if you haven't seen Elton yet, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a little tickle in my throat today. It's a boxy cardigan and it has two different yarn bases in it. One is a mohair lace weight and one is a fingering. So the stripes that that creates give a kind of textured look and the fingering is heavier compared to the sheerness of the lace stripe. So I used Madeline Tosh Lace and a Merino Cashmere Nylon Blend from Western Sky Knits. And I don't have quite the same look in the contrast that Hohe's does, but my colors are 
they give it that difference in stripes very vividly. So I'm in love with how the sweater turned out. I had a lot of knitting time while on vacation, so I was able to finish it in two weeks, which is amazing. And I really, really love it. It was a super simple knit. It flew off the needles, it seemed like, and it was just a joy to knit. I loved the colors and the feeling of the two different yarns in my hands while knitting it. So it's a nice, not only a visual difference when you change colors, but it's also a tactile difference. Yeah. So I enjoyed that part of it. And then triple bonus, I found buttons in my button stash that work perfectly for it. I bought these buttons with Charlene, oh gosh, like six, seven years ago, at least. It might be, yeah. A local yarn store went out of business and we took advantage of their closing sale and I found these beautiful buttons that have been in my button stash all these years. And when I pulled them out to look at them on Sunday, I thought, oh my gosh, these couldn't be more perfect for this if I had planned it. So super excited. And there were eight of them, which is exactly what I needed for my sweater. And I finished sewing them on about 35 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> and they look fantastic. Thank That's you. the thing. You probably wouldn't have been able to find such a perfect button if you had gone to the store and shopped for right. it now because that's just the way it works. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so this was a purely from stash project, which is a hugely rewarding feeling. So I was very pleased. You got a lot of knitting time in. I'm so amazed that you finished the sweater while on vacation and your work trip. <laughs> yeah, usually you don't end up getting that much knitting time on vacation, right? Right. I was in Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming here in the United States for a week. And then I went immediately to Dallas for three days for work. So there was a lot of airplane time and there's a lot of driving at Yellowstone, I yeah. discovered. So there was a lot of opportunity to be knitting. So That's yeah, great. got a whole sweater you done. planned well. Yeah, it worked <laughs> out really well. I was very pleased. <laughs> So what have you been stalking in the last three weeks? A couple of things. The first one is a pullover sweater, surprise, surprise, by Asita Krebs, and it's called the Rambling Rose Sweater. And this one is a pullover sweater, crew neck, mostly stockinette, but the sleeves have a lace panel down the side and it's cute it's somewhat well it's not too fancy it looks like something that you could wear yeah just every day with jeans and it looks like it has I'm not quite sure about the construction and the sleeves because I can't tell it's not raglan sleeves and I'm wondering I have to look at the pattern I'm wondering if it is a circular yoke. <laughs> oh, not your favorite. Either. Which is not my yeah. favorite. But I do like, I like the simplicity of it. And I like the little added detail of the lace down the sleeves. I guess the Ravelry pattern page does say that the sweater starts with the two lace panels. So I guess it's somewhat of a saddle shoulder, perhaps. Oh, that's interesting. It is interesting. Like I said, I have not looked at the pattern. There was a special, I think the pattern was a freebie for a day or two for a certain period of time. And I've 
when I looked at it this morning, I noticed that it's not a freebie anymore. So it's too late for us to share that with people. But it's an interesting, interesting construction, it looks like, interesting design. And I happen to have lots of what the pattern calls for a light fingering yarn. I happen to have lots of light <laughs> fingering yarn in my stash. So that was another thing that caught my eye. I've never it, heard of that designer before. I have never heard of her either. And I was going to mention that, that in this particular case, this was a really good way for her to get some attention because number one, like I said, I've never heard of her before, but I would be, when I, all of the reasons that I've just said that I wasn't quite sure about the pattern because I can't tell how the sleeves are constructed, that kind of thing. I wouldn't purchase this pattern without oh, knowing right. any of those things. Yeah, and that's not in the keywords or anything. Yeah. And that's one of the things if I were purchasing a pattern at a store in a book, I'd be able to look at the pattern and tell if it's something that I wanted to knit. I've noticed a lot of times on Ravelry that if designers don't put construction information or in this case, the, how the sleeves are constructed, that kind of thing, or just what I want to know, if it's not there, usually I'll pass on it if it's a designer that I'm unfamiliar with and there's no information there about whether the pattern has been tech edited, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I've noticed some designers have started putting who tech edits their pattern, which I think is a great thing because then, smart, yeah. yeah, because then you have that information that number one, it has been tech edited. And then if you have certain technical editors that you know are good mm -hmm. you know that the pattern even if you don't know the designer perhaps if you know the technical editor then that's another reason to purchase a pattern from an unknown designer so in this case because i was able to get it on the freebie special i probably will take a look at it okay so. you know how you and i always have some weird like we're both doing the same thing yes okay here's the weird one so i'm in swatching mode right now for a lot of different sweaters and one of them is called polyhedra which charlene and i saw at stitches west 2018 oh yes i remember and when i was looking at the pattern today on ravelry because i printed the pattern and i haven't looked at it on a ravelry in a long time there are no projects well we saw it knit up so, so I know, we know that looks... there is one project, exactly. <laughs> but I reached for the printed version mm -hmm. of the pattern and it says right on the front tech edited by um, Kirsten Hipsky, oh. who is a very well-known designer. And I think she's the house designer for webs right now. And so when I saw that, I thought, okay, even if there aren't any finished projects, I know that this has been tech edited, edited by someone I trust. And I did see the finished sweater as well in person. So that makes that a difference. That gave me the confidence yeah. to know that this is indeed something that I will knit. Yeah. So that makes a difference, especially when it's a question of whether you're going to purchase it or not. And it's an unknown designer and you just don't know. I've been disappointed, I yes. should say, mm -hmm. a couple times because the great thing about Ravelry is any, anyone can put up a pattern for sale. 
the bad thing about Ravelry is that anyone can put up a pattern for sale. There's no control. Right. There's no quality control. Quality control. So, yeah. But that's, I was going to talk about that in stocking. So I had to mention it now because you and I, again, are on the same (laughs) wavelength, strangely. And then the second thing I am stocking is a shawl by Caitlin Hunter. Gail and I have mentioned Caitlin Hunter in, in the last couple of episodes because she is consistently in Ravelry's hot right now for the last several months for many of her patterns, but mostly for the color work sweaters that everybody is knitting and going crazy over and falling in love with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a shawl, Terrell Dega by Caitlin Hunter. Oh, it's, it's a three color, very large shawl. And I really like it. There's sections of lace, sections of striping, and she lists color work. Yeah, there's Stripes one small section work. of it somewhere. I okay. remember maybe in the beginning. I don't remember. But so I yeah, don't there. see a close-up of... Oh, there we go. Yep. Right there. There's a little... Maybe it's a leaves motif on one end, but lace, striping, and stockinette. A little bit of everything. You won't get bored. Yeah. <laughs> but it's huge. That's the other thing. Three skeins, and it looks like it takes three, four hundred yard skein. So it's going to be huge. But large so shawls are hot though. right now. And so, it's so <laughs> But it is very pretty. So that is Terrell Dega by Caitlin Hunter. And then the last thing that I am stocking, and Gail has already made this, is the Fading Point Shawl by Hohi Locatelli. So talk about huge. (laughs) That is a huge one. This one is a rectangular shawl. So a stole. Shlanket. Yes. It it really is a shawl slash blanket. And when we were at Vogue Knitting Live in San Francisco, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast, I bought a five skein yarn pack for a five skein shawl specifically fading point and I was kind of particular about it they had five packs maybe of the same colorway that I wanted and I took all of the five packs over to the window because the lighting was just hideous hideous in the room where the marketplace was for Vogue Knitting Live and I couldn't see anything, so I had to take the five packs over to the window to look at them in natural light. People thought I was crazy. I was I don't laying so. <laughs> out all these yarn packs on the floor, eliminating that one, eliminating that one, and finally ended up on the perfect one. <laughs> and it was Neighborhood Fiber Company, and we know Karita and Kristen, and they were totally fine with us taking it <laughs> farther away from their booth <laughs> they knew we'd come back with it yeah so that was my splurge for myself to get the yarn pack for this fading point so naturally i am stocking it it is a shawl that consists of two like halves and then it comes together in the center and there are two two pieces that join the 
the two pieces that you have already finished. And I was asking Gail, so how did you knit yours? Did you divide your yarn in half and then knit both pieces at the same time? And Gail didn't do it that way, but I think I might try it that way. I was too lazy to split my yarn in half. So full disclosure, that's the main reason (laughs) I didn't do that. And plus I, I thought I might get bored if I did both like the light. So you start out with the darker color. If I did all the dark on one end and then all the dark at the other end and then the next color and then the next color. So I got to change colors more frequently. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll start it, look at the pattern and then decide. So that's Fading Point by Hohi Locatelli. I'm excited to start. Oh, I can't wait to see that knit up. <laughs> Such an amazing fade kit. They had some spectacular ones there. Yeah, they did. And how about you, Gail? What are you stocking? So I'm also stocking a shawl, but this one is Helen Stewart's newest shawl. Oh, yes, it's called I saw that. Rewilding, and she designed this for her country house retreat, which just ended, and it's a really pretty light fingering weight. I think she used Fiber Company's Meadow yarn. Oh, I've used, You've used that. that in a yeah. shawl. And I do, as Charlene said, she has a lot of light fingering in her, in her stash. I do as well. <laughs> and I have a lot of lace weight. I actually separated all my lace weight out the other day and put it in its own special bag. And I would knit this in lace weight because I have so much of it. But it's just a simple... Not very, I just should take it back to the word simple. It's a triangle shawl and it has beautiful lace work on one side. And I purchased it while I was sitting in the airplane going to Dallas because I was sad that I wasn't with my husband. So <laughs> I decided to buy her beautiful shawl pattern and that will be on the needles at some point when I decide which of my lovely lace weight yarns it should become. The a sweater pattern that I actually I'm talk, stocking two sweater patterns. The first one is called Lilt and it's by a designer named Sarah Pope, who I've never heard of. And this came out while I was on vacation. It's a DK weight pullover. It has really pretty lace work in the yoke and a lot of positive ease. And it's just a very pretty, pretty sweater. Just the right amount of feminine kind of qualities to it, I would say. And I just really loved it. It was super pretty. I had to text the picture to Charlene right away. And that one went immediately into my favorites. And then the third sweater I'm stocking is also a result of Vogue Knitting Live. Tecumseh by Caitlin Hunter. So Caitlin Hunter is going to be our podcast crush (laughs) this episode. Tecumseh, a few of you knit this for the Colors of Fall knit along. And I've admired it since it came out. But... I wasn't sure it was something that I'd actually wear. It's a DK weight pullover with color work. Very, it's not simple color work, but it's kind of blocks of color work. So they, they're very striking. And we saw someone walk by wearing it. And I said, oh my gosh, look at that one. And Charlene and I both were admiring the sweater and asking her about it. And she said it was the third one she has knit. And she did knit hers in DK weight. And I actually want to use some fingering weight yarn I have. So I'll have to do a lot of gauge swatching to make that work. But I have a lot of this fingering weight yarn. It's Barrett Wool Company's woolen spun in fingering. And I know I can make it work. I just have to do some swatching to see. And it would have been next on my to knit list, but I didn't own the pattern. 
And when we get to what I'm knitting, I owned those patterns, so they came first. But yeah. I, it was that close that I was so ready to start swatching for that because her sweater was just so cute on her. It really was. And you know what I particularly liked? I just loved the way it fit her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it's not even the color work. I loved the way the sweater fit her. Yep. That was really eye-opening because I, even though you see the photographs, it, we've said it before, it makes all the difference in the world to see it in on person. a human person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she was wearing it, I think, just with jeans. Yeah. And it was about the length of the top of her jeans maybe mm -hmm. a tiny bit longer yeah a little bit longer it yeah. covered the top yeah so you don't see her belly button or yeah. her shirt underneath but really a cute look and it, it just was. draped beautifully on yeah, her it and really did very flattering sweater i was so impressed so that is tecumseh by caitlin hunter of boyland knitworks many thanks to our october sponsor infinite twist are you in the mood for a gorgeous gradient whether you're making a shawl scarf cowl or beyond Infinite Twist can take your project over the rainbow with unique semi-solid gradients and brilliant hues. Colorways are one or two of a kind, and when they're gone, they're gone. Join Infinite Twist's newsletter to be among the first to find out about limited edition yarns, new kits, special offers, and get free patterns. Sign up during October and get a free copy of the Opie the Mini Octopus pattern at infinitetwist.com. And be sure to go check out Kate's few remaining sweater quantities of dire choice, beautiful color yarns. So what have you been knitting for the last three weeks? Well, I'll tell you about the items that I've finished next segment. But what I am knitting right now is my washed out shawl. That's a pattern by Hohi Locatelli. It, this one did get put on the back burner while I was working on my beekeeper. But since I finished that, I picked it up again and I really love working on it. It was a shame it got put on the back burner. <laughs> Mostly I love the colors that I'm using. I've got three colors that fade from dark to light. The dark gray is the first color. Then the second color is just a shade lighter but has speckles in it and then the last color which is used for the lace edging is a lighter color with speckles in it very light color and I love the way it looks love 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 the way it looks I've had to improvise a little bit on the lace section because my stitch count is different from what is called for on the pattern because I changed I can't even remember I changed something I didn't do as many rows as the pattern sets out to do and I did fewer so my stitch count is a little bit different so basically all I have to do is as it increases I just wait until I have the appropriate number and then I add in another lace repeat oh got it's, it. it's pretty easy to improvise so I'm on the last color. I'm on the lace section of this one. I think I'm I think I'm about maybe just past 50% on my skein. Oh, and does it use the whole skein? 
it probably will use very close to the whole skein. I'm trying to figure out. She has, I believe it's something like a 36 or 32 row lace repeat. And according to the pattern, you do one and a half of this section. One, one full lace repeat and then half of it. Got it. Again. Yeah. And... Hopefully I'll have enough yarn to do that. If I don't, I'll be improvising again, <laughs> which is not a problem. It's a shawl. So I'm excited. I Almost can't wait done to see on that it. one. I yeah, I have to pull it out. I'll pull it out color, and show it to you before you leave today. Yay. So that is washed out. We are Harley catching Locatelli. up on our knitting show and tell. Yes, we, we are. <laughs> and then the second thing, which I am casting on right now is going to be a cowl for charity. I have looked at my projects that I've done this year and because it's been quite the year. Mm. <laughs> In fact, it's actually, today's exactly six months since my mom passed away. Oh. Yeah. So it's an emotional day for me today yeah. too as well. But I have noticed, looking at my Ravelry Projects page, that I've knit a lot less this year than in past years. In general or charity or both? Both. Yeah. Both. In fact, I've knit almost nothing that was intended for charity, whereas in past years I usually have some kind of charity mm -hmm. project going on or I'm thinking about it. This year, it hasn't happened. So this is going to be a cowl and I've finished a cowl that will also be charity pieces just so that, just to keep that going in my, in my projects. I like that element of knitting to have something Usually a simple project that's a carry-around type project that will be a charity project. I like that, having yeah. that a lot. And the same way, and after our last episode where you were knitting the other cow for charity, mm -hmm. I went home and was thinking, I have hardly knit anything for charity this year either. And when I got home from vacation and was unpacking everything, I went through all of my hand knits. I had stacks of hats and cowls and mitts and all these things that I've knit for myself over the years that, mm -hmm. you know, you can't wear them all. Right. And I packaged right. up a huge stack of things for Compassionate in San Francisco, including the cowl that you knit, your Jessica Jones. Oh, yeah. And just today, it all fit into a flat rate, large priority box, and it's sitting on top of my mailbox right now. Don't forget, I need a picture of that, though. It's already, might be gone already. We'll ask Monica to send us a picture. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I completely forgot. Yeah, it's already taped up. The label's on it. It might already be gone. Oh, okay. But yeah, Monica will do it for us. So, giant thing. So, I, I kind of consoled myself with, I haven't knit for charity, but I harvested a lot of things yeah. that I've either, some of them I've never worn, yeah. and some of them I've worn maybe once or twice. Yeah. So quite a few things went to charity, and I have a giant bag of shawls in my bag that I'm going to drop off at the Homeless Garden Project oh, on nice. my way home today. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up going through my knitted item stash as well. 
just to purge out a few things for all of these wonderful new things, new things <laughs> that I am making. <laughs> yeah, but that's for the ch- along the charity lines because usually yeah. by this time I've knit several hats for charity right. and I haven't knit a single one this year. Right. So, but as long better. as you're still donating, yes, that's still fine because. That means that you actually were knitting charity projects. You just didn't know <laughs> exactly. it at the time. <laughs> In advance, that's how good I am. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt your knitting for that. Oh, Go that's ahead. okay. That is it. Those are the only two things that I have going right now. I need to start a new sweater. And Charlene and I are both in that same situation. I am actually hand winding right now as we're recording on a wooden spoon that I'm using like a Nostapin, <laughs> a skein of Madeline Tosh, Madeline Tosh Light in the colorway Submerse, which is a beautiful, can you describe it? You describe colors much better than I do. Bright turquoise to pale blue with some green, some pink. There's very, there's a few areas that are light where the dye hasn't taken up all the way in the yarn. So there are some pale areas, very few little pale areas in there. And also some dark blue. Yep. And speckles of like burgundy and purple in it. And the reason I'm hand winding it right now for a center pull ball, usually I would just do it in my hand and I would have been done 10 minutes ago, but I'm very carefully trying to do it as a center pull ball, which was a technique taught to me by our friend Mary Ann, who is Mary Knits 2 on Ravelry, is because I need this to be a center pull ball. And I need that because I'm swatching for my Nanilchik Swancho, which is another pattern by Caitlin Hunter. I told you she was our designer crush this episode. <laughs> and I am going, that sweater is a DK weight pullover. Tons of color work. And I'm going to use Tosh Marina Light Held Doubled for it instead. And in, do, in so doing, I'm going to use up a lot of single skeins in my stash. I'm really proud of my plan. And last night I started swatching. And some of the colors I was planning to use, I, I like them together, but I prefer some other ones together. So what I prefer is Venetian, which is the burgundy Madeline Tosh color that I talk about all the time, as a contrast. And as I was swatching last night, I was trying to do the mental inventory of my single ply fingering in my brain. And I knew I had submersed, but I didn't think it was going to work until I pulled it out this morning and saw these little burgundy speckles. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to play really well with the burgundy. I think it will. Yeah, I'm really excited to finish the swatching for it. Yeah. And what I'm planning to do is because there's so much color work in this particular pattern, I'm going to minimize it and I'm going to leave out a lot of the color work. So mine will be less colorful than some people, but I want my colors to obviously really, really work well together. So I have a lot of hope that the Submerse will do what I want it to do. Well, when you say you're leaving out some of the color work, what she means is she's just modifying the color work pattern a little bit and leaving out certain aspects of it. Right. So for example, I think it has five or six charts and I'll either omit some of the charts or omit sections of the chart. So I'll just knit in my main color instead of doing the contrast colors color work Mm -hmm. per the pattern. So that's what I was trying to describe. And let's (laughs) see. So Nanilchik, I love my swatch so far with the way the 
fingering held double is turning into a fabric. It feels really squishy and nice and I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be quite the project because it's one of the pullover sweater ponchos that has a lot of positive ease. The sleeve separation doesn't happen until close to the bottom of the sweater. So you have those little sleeve cuff type of things mm-hmm. that kind of project out like the Veronica that I knit a few summers ago. And I'll tell you more about it as I'm knitting it, but looking forward to getting that one on the needles. And I'm also swatching for Polyhedra by Emma Welford. And that's the one I mentioned earlier that doesn't have any finished projects on Ravelry. So that'll be interesting. And I'm adapting that one too. That's also a DK weight pullover, two colors that has color work kind of below the waistline at the bottom of the sweater instead of at the top. Mm-hmm. And that is a DK weight pullover, but I want to use fingering. So I'll have to do a lot of gauge swatching and math to determine which size to cast on to get the size I want with my fabric. So yeah. that's going to be swatching soon. I have the first skein of yarn right here next to me with needles <laughs> in case I get to cast it on. And it's Blue Moon Fiber Arts gaia fingering and these skeins are 1100 and something yards per skein so it's this monstrous ball of yarn it's a big skein i was trying to figure out how do i describe how big that is because it's like a giant grapefruit really giant grapefruit it's like as, as big around as a big soup bowl yeah it's huge and i have two skeins this one i think it's called dark unrelenting gray maybe and the other one is... <laughs> That's a good name for I don't it. remember the name of yeah, the other I one. Yeah, I don't remember But it's name. a light gray with uh, speckles in it. Uh, my color speckles. Really light speckles, so not in-your-face speckles. So we bought... We... I bought, with Charlene's advice, at Stitches 2018, mm-hmm. the lighter color, and then decided I wanted to do this Colorwork sweater, so needed another color and ordered the gray one online. And it's a beautiful tonal gray it's really really pretty it is so that's polyhedra by emma wolford and viajant is still on the needles although it hasn't had any love (laughs) did you work on it at all while you were on vacation no i brought it i know you took it yeah it traveled with me for a lot of miles but i never even opened the project bag because i was so focused you were smitten with elton exactly (laughs) which is good yes i was loving what i was knitting and what have you finished in three weeks I finished my beekeeper card again. Yay! Yay. (laughs) I felt like this one took me a long time, even though just over a month. So it wasn't a super long time, but I guess what I'm thinking of is are all the folks who did the four-day sweater challenge (laughs) for this sweater. And I, I have no statistics as to how many knitters were successful in their four-day sweater challenge as opposed to how many knitters attempted the four-day sweater challenge. But yeah, there would be no (laughs) way this knitter could have done that in four days. No way. Maybe if I had nothing else to do and were able to sit and knit 12 hours a day but I don't even know if I could knit 12 hours a day. I was going to say it would have to be like recovering from a surgery and yeah. forced and forced down. Yeah. knitting because yeah. that that 
wouldn't be good for you yeah. to sit there and knit 12 hours a day for four days in a row yeah. anyway. So that's my story and I'm sticking <laughs> to it. <laughs> but I have finished my beekeeper cardigan. It is a pattern by Marie Green. I knit mine in what I have previously described as both my Desert Island yarn and my Holy Grail yarn. Desert Island yarn being the yarn that you would take to a desert island and knit and unknit and re-knit and unknit <laughs> and re-knit until you were rescued from the desert island. Holy Grail yarn being the yarn that you put in your stash because you love it so much and then can never find a pattern that's good enough for it because the yarn is so good and so wonderful and you just love it too much. Yep. We all have one. We all it. have it. And well, at least one. Yeah, and mine happens to be this particular color called Logwood, which was made by Madeline Tosh that I just love. And there are other dyers that make a Logwood color now so i'm not as desperate for that <laughs> color as i have previously thought i would be but i had enough to make this card again and i thought i would use it i'm trying to loosen up the hold a little bit on that holy grail type yarn because you know if you love it you should use it yeah and then you get to wear it and then i That's get to wear project. it exactly so Beekeeper cardigan, if you haven't seen it, it's a open front cardigan with an all over pattern, which is supposed to resemble little bees. I don't know if I really see the bee in it, but it's a nice all over pattern and I like it. So I made the sweater. It's open front in the sense that there are no closures on this sweater. The fronts actually can meet. And mine, because I used a superwash wool, they grew a little bit. So actually at the top, they kind of do meet. So I'm, I'm very happy with the way it came out. It's super cute. Very, very happy. I made mine with three quarter sleeves. It was a top down cardigan. So you can make it to whatever length you want. And then it's got ribbing on the cuffs, ribbing on the bottom, ribbing around the neckline and the two, what would be the button bands, the fronts where you pick up stitches for those two things. And it's, it was, it was a good project. It, it was a really good project. I enjoyed it. I haven't worn it because I just blocked it this week. But I've been, I guess I've been wearing it around the house a little bit, but <laughs> it, it's been kind of warm the last day. So I did put it on yesterday morning and one of my cats, when I was, had it laying outside in the warm, warm sun, one of my cats went and rolled on it. So <laughs> it's broken in now. It's broken in. Exactly. I am looking forward to wearing it. I'm probably going to wear it to work this week. So Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. That's always a good way to break in a sweater. And show it off. Exactly. A, a community that will appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. And then the second thing that I've finished is the cowl that I started last episode, I believe, making for charity. It's called the Beachcombers Cowl. It's a pattern by Melissa Thompson. It is a free pattern, and though while not 
available on Ravelry. There is a pattern page on Ravelry that has a pointer to the website where you can get the pattern. It's a very simple pattern, though. You, you don't really even have to print it. You can read it once, take... I, I took a couple notes and I'm good to go. It's just ribbing and the ribbing changes about halfway through the cowl so that the top of the cowl gets a little bit smaller and it turned out really nice. It's knit in a DK weight yarn and the cowl, it's a single wrap cowl that comes out loose enough that you can even pull over the top of your shoulders if you want for extra warmth it came out really nice in it fact is. yeah the cowl that i have been casting on as we've been podcasting i'm using the same pattern again because i think that it's going to be a great little pattern for charity knitting because it's something that i don't need to keep looking at a pattern and i can just keep knitting round and around Gotta love just that knitting, knitting round and around. <laughs> yep. So those are the two things I have finished. How about you, Gail? What have you finished besides your Elton? Besides Elton, I finished the sleep sack. It's actually the, the actual name of the pattern is the Kiss Me Romper by Kate Oates. And I knit that for my granddaughter who will arrive in January. It's so cute. My daughter has been using her phone to record her stomach moving when the baby kicks and it's so cute so it's feeling more and more real by the day and the sleep sack turned out to be absolutely adorable i used a skein of candy skein fingering and a skein of yarn loves colorway called airy clouds and it's a subtle nice speckled yarn the airy clouds is and the contrast is beautiful and I knit it about 18 inches below the sleeve separation. So it's really long, but who knows how long the baby's going to be. And they never sleep with their legs straight out. So it's probably <laughs> overkill, but you know. And I used Charlene's bind off method. She talked about in the tips and tricks recently, where you don't actually knit the last stitch. You just slip and you, you slide it over. You bind off using the last row of stitches you've already worked. Yeah. And I did that because I was knitting this while watching TV in our hotel room and I did a turned hem. So in a turned hem, what you do mm. is you use the live stitches on the needle and then you pick up the back of a purl bump on the wrong side of the fabric so that you end up with a tube or a folded hem at the bottom. And I wanted the tube for the drawstring at the bottom of the sleeve sack. Oh, yeah. But I was so focused on knitting the live stitch with the picked up stitch that I forgot to start binding off as I was doing oh. it. And I got halfway through and went, oh, no, I have to tink back this whole thing. And I thought, oh, no, I don't. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So that worked really well in that, that situation. awesome. Yes, because, thank you very yeah, much. you would have had to have separate the stitches and yeah. the two pieces of fabric. Oh. It would have been a real bummer if I yeah. had to tink back all of that work. That would have work. been a bummer. Yeah. And, so. you know, if I could interject, I also used that bind off on this cowl that I finished, the Beachcombers cowl. And the reason I used it was because of the ribbing. And it looks really nice. It does look really on nice. On ribbing because 
you're not knitting on another row. You're just using the last stitch, the last row of stitches that was already worked. So you're not adding on something that looks like an edging. It right. just it looks ends. like yeah. It just ends on that last row worked, which is really cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. So I highly recommend you try it, especially when you've done something silly like forget <laughs> so it came in very handy. Thank you very much for teaching us that. Yay. So those were my big finishes. Elton and the Kiss Me Romper by Kate Oates. Excellent. Yeah, super happy with those. Oh, and I forgot to say in the very beginning of the episode, thank you so much to all of you who sent me birthday wishes on my birthday. I had horrible internet connectivity in Yellowstone, which is fine because I don't want to be on the internet when I'm in Yellowstone. So I was perfectly happy with that. And I basically had a two-week absence from Ravelry. So when I got back on, there were so many messages, posts in the threads, Thank you so much, you guys, for all the birthday love. I really, really appreciate it. It was very thoughtful. And we visited Vogue Knitting Live the day before my vacation started. And in San Francisco. Was, in San Francisco. This was Francisco. the San Francisco event. They have Vogue Knitting Live events all over the country. And I believe they move from year to year. I don't think they're... There may be some places where they do them every year, but I think, for example... I don't believe there's another one planned for next year in San Francisco. I think they frequently change venues. Yeah, I think New York is the one that's probably every year, but I don't know about the other ones. And we had a very, very adventurous day, didn't we? (laughs) We, okay, so I seem to have... We certainly did. Yeah, I seem to be like full of interesting stories to tell about knitting in trains. We got to the train station early because on Sundays, this was a Sunday... There are only trains once an hour. So we should, we should explain this. We decided because the event was in San Francisco, and to be honest, because the event was in San Francisco, that was the main reason why I didn't want to go. Initially. <laughs> because San Francisco, it's where the event was, was right downtown. It's so expensive to park. Everything is so expensive and everything takes twice as long to do. Mm-hmm. Even walking places, just ta- everything just takes so long. So we eventually decided that, okay, why don't we just make an adventure of it? We're going to take the train up to San Francisco. And the Caltrain is very pleasant. Normally. Normally. (laughs) (laughs) Once you're on it, it's very pleasant. (laughs) Once you're on it in the right car. (laughs) Yes. And both Gail and I have used Caltrain in the past, and we've had really good experiences with it. It's an enjoyable place to knit. It's also where Gail had her experience of losing her yarn ball. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I vividly remember that. And it was just and also a great opportunity to sit and knit instead of driving. Yes, exactly. Sit and knit and chat. Yeah, because the ride from the train station in San Jose to San Francisco was at least, what, an hour and 25 minutes Mm -hmm. or something? It was a remarkably long train ride because on Sunday, the train only stops once in an hour, and it stops at every single stop. Every station, So there are a lot of stops. No express available. Yeah. so. So... We arrived at the train station with plenty of time because if we missed that train, we were basically going to drive because we weren't going to wait an hour. 
And we were standing on the platform like you do when the train's arriving and the train arrived and we decided to walk down the train a little ways to get on a car and the doors closed to the train. We're standing well, we in got, front of the we door. We got on a car and it was the bicycle car. And that's why we that's moved. what messed us up. And when the doors close in front of you as you're waiting to get on a train, it's a little bit panic inducing. <laughs> <laughs> so so panic inducing. <laughs> All these thoughts go through your head about how you're gonna get on the train. And Charlene was masterful. I was waving my hands in the air, hoping the conductor would see us. Like, hey, open the doors! And the meanwhile, doors... I'm trying to pull the pull she's forcing open the, the doors. doors open. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been really comical to watch us if you had just been yeah, standing because there you know, us. in a train station that you're on, you know, twelve video screens somewhere, somewhere, somebody's watching you. And the doors to the other cars were still open because people were still getting on the other cars. So I was really frustrated, thinking. Why did these doors close? Yeah. But anyways, Charlie, they finally, I walked to the next car down thinking I'd try to force Thor's door. Which was back to the bicycle car. My car. Yes. And they did open the doors again and Charlene jumped on her car and I jumped on my car. Because <laughs> we weren't going to take a chance and yeah. move to another car. Doors open, jump go. on train. <laughs> so I, after catching my breath, thought, okay, I will walk to the connecting door and get in the same car as Charlene. Well, on the bike car, there is no connecting door. You can't get to the car in front of you. So I'm standing there thinking, what did I do wrong here? We're we're both in, we're on the train. The the doors have closed. The train is moving, but we're on separate cars. And we immediately start texting each other (laughs) from separate cars. I mean, we're so, we're probably six feet apart, apart, (laughs) separated by the doors that only go one way, as we find out. Apparently, you can go into this bicycle. You have to have the conductor's key to get through those doors. Okay. So there was was no escape from the bicycle car. So I knew that Gail probably wouldn't. Stay in the bicycle car because the bicycle car has like four seats and then room for bicycles. Yeah. So and the bathroom and the bathroom, <laughs> which is valuable. Yes. <laughs> so before we got to the next train, I said, "Well, I'm grabbing a spot in this car because I ended up getting a nice table seat." Mm-hmm. And the next Station, stop, yeah. Gail jumped out of her car and jumped ran into my car. I ran <laughs> fast because I was not going to have that door closed again before I got my booty on that train. It was ridiculous. It was just one of those comical, how on earth did we manage this yeah. ways to start our adventure? Very, yeah. very adrenaline pumping. It was yes. because at this point we had paid for parking. We had bought two tickets mm-hmm. and they're not inexpensive. They're not. Yeah. So they're not, but we made it work. We succeeded. Whew. And we finally got to Vogue Knitting Live. We saw lots of people we know there. It was really, really awesome to visit. Alex Under Dutch Skies was there, and she hung out and shopped with us for a while. And we saw lots of other people we know. We got to see all the pretty things they were buying. We got to visit with some yarn vendors we know who were there vending. And overall, we shared the same opinions of opening live yeah. and you summarized it pretty well when we were chatting on sunday well it was just a very different kind of event the other somewhat like events 
that Gail and I have been to are the XRX Stitches events and then the Interweave events. I've been to two of the Interweave events. I've been to, there was one in the East Bay that we went to several years ago. And then there was, there's one in Loveland, Colorado that I've been to. And the Vogue Knitting Live is very, very different. It has a different feel because it has different kind of displays well it has displays i mean that's something that's different it yeah. has it has a stage set up and there are events going on on the marketplace floor which actually interweave does they have that and that's i i like that i like that idea mm -hmm. that there's something going on on the market floor in addition to shopping i thought that was that was really neat the but, only bummer about that though was the competing noise it would yeah. have been nice if it was set apart from there the was, marketplace. Yeah. There was just a bare little column where yeah. people could walk between the vendors and the yeah, chairs. So that's true. that was a little that's bit of a true. bummer. And there were fiber artists who had displays there, which was a neat addition. I enjoyed seeing those displays. I didn't have as much time to look at, to them, look yeah. at those because Gail and I had limited time. So we kind of looked as we were doing marketplace but I didn't get to there was a a Rowan display of sweaters also that I didn't really get to enjoy as much as I should have if I had had more time for mm -hmm. example but it, it was just a very different kind of event I would say that the focus even is not necessarily the marketplace whereas with the xrx stitches event the focus is the marketplace yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't that focus of marketplace we determine later this is not a destination event if you're shopping yeah. if you're going to do all of the things that vogue knitting live has to offer they have amazing classes with amazing top of the line teachers they had, we met Isabel Kramer out on the floor while we were shopping and they just have these remarkable people there. Amber O'Brien was there, a couple other people whose names I can't remember, but just these phenomenal teachers. So if you're going for that aspect of it too, it's definitely worth it. Of course, we did manage to acquire some stash while we were there, <laughs> but I would not have called that a marketplace destination. No. And whereas with the... XRX, XRX Stitches event, the marketplace is a destination and people come from a long ways mm -hmm. away just to go to the marketplace. If we were any further away than a simple train ride there and back in a day, I wouldn't attend. Yeah. If, unless I were doing classes, classes exactly. and some of the other events that were there. Yeah. It was it was really interesting, and it, I'm glad I went. And I would go again if it were close enough or if I were to do some of the other events. But the other thing that both Gail and I noticed, and we were there on Sunday, so of course Sunday is going to be the lesser attended day, but... The marketplace was really empty. Very empty. <laughs> it was dead. It was dead. And I cannot imagine how 
vendors made enough yeah to justify that justify the expense I, i'm sure there's a booth char a, a booth fee mm-hmm. to have a, a booth there and then most of these vendors traveled some of them traveled from quite a distance yeah and that's that was one of the things that surprised me because for what i saw as a relatively small event there were some vendors that probably put out quite a bit in travel expenses yeah and i really wonder if financially it worked out for a lot of vendors i'm curious i'm curious too because as you said staying in san francisco is astronomical (laughs) yes so the people who traveled as vendors and had to pay to stay there as well Mm -hmm. that just shoots your costs up so much so and the marketplace one of our friends did it in a half an hour we were much more leisurely about it and we're visiting with people as we went and things like that. So it took us much longer than a half an hour. But if you were focused and knew what you wanted, it was that small that yeah. you could have done it in that amount of time. Yeah. And as Charlene mentioned before, the lighting was atrocious. Oh my gosh. The lighting, the lighting, Ugh. the lighting. I really felt bad for the vendors because you could not tell the colors of the art. Literally, you couldn't tell if it was brown or purple. Yeah, that's what I was going to tell this example i was in one yarn vendor's booth holding a skein of what i thought was purple and it looked pretty but i couldn't tell and people were taking out their phones trying to look at it with the light uh, flashlight on their phones usually gail and i bring a little tiny travel ot light and both of us neglected to bring our ot light this time and fortunately a lot of the vendors well a couple of the vendors that we asked if we could do it we were able to carry our yarn skeins over to the window but it was a large room where the event was taking place a like rectangular a room. Yeah, a rectangular room and there were only windows along the short end of one side of the room. So that was the only source of natural light and the lighting in the room was uh it was yellow cast. Very yellow cast and so dim. <laughs> So it was dim. So disappointing. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. If, for mar- unless vendors had their own source of light, if they were selling yarn, it was dim enough to be, I would say, uh, probably losing them some sales yeah totally. because when you walk into this kind of setup and the yarn is well lit and you see a wall of yarn that's well lit and gorgeous and beautiful it's always exciting and gasp worthy and you get excited when you're in this kind of atmosphere when you see something like that but you walked into this and there was not that feeling because everything was dark and muddy and 
yeah, you just lost a little bit of that impact, mm-hmm. that feeling of impact when you walk in and you first see a vendor's booth and all the colors are shouting out exactly. at you and bright and sparkly <laughs> and pretty. There just wasn't that impact at this event. Yeah. It was unfortunately. It was yeah. very disappointing. That part of it was very disappointing. Yeah. But some of the booths were, of course, incredible. We both enjoyed the Neighborhood Fiber Company booth. Mm-hmm. And I was shopping for the Throwback Cardigan by Andrea Mowry. And I have my main color I purchased at the Neighborhood Fiber Company booth. And I'm super excited about that. Still looking for some of my contrast colors. But that was a very fun period of time yes. that we spent in yes. that booth. We were there for quite yes. a while. Yeah, looking at all the options. And that's where Charlene got her fading point Mm -hmm. set. And the way they do those, Charlene was asking, you know, is this this colorway? And none of the colors in the five skein set are specific neighborhood fiber company colors. One of their regular colorways. She said what they do is their dyer basically says, okay, I want this set to be based off of this color. And she just uses her magic to make five colorways <laughs> that spread. They they fade perfectly together. And yeah. they have just the right amount of speckles. And, I mean, they're the most perfect fade kits I think I've ever seen. And because that's they were actually that what, way. when she told me that, that they were designed specifically to go together, that was the what pushed me over the edge. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I can't put this together myself to go together because this was made to go together. Exactly. So Charlene was even saying that she's going to put numbers on the skeins when she winds them to make they, sure that they don't yeah. get mixed well, up they because were that's numbered. how close they are. They, when oh, that's right. when they, they were purchased, they were numbered. So I just have to be sure to keep those numbers close. Yeah, because some of the colorways are so close that you could swap think, them out. Yeah, I think I could figure it out, but I just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a great booth. There were so many interesting yarns and bags. And... Yeah, I think one of the good things, one of the nice things about it is that there was there really was a good variety of products for sale. It wasn't, for example, all yarn or all project bags or all accessories, that kind of thing. There was a good, there was a, a really fairly good mix. Good mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I appreciated that. Yeah, that, that was nice. Like a was, curated yeah. set of vendors yeah, in the marketplace. Exactly. And some new to me vendors got to see Hugh Loco live for the first time. And that was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Beautiful yarns. Yeah, she, I can't remember if she had lighting, but she was positioned near... The stage. The stage. Mm-hmm. So the lighting was better at that end. Yeah. And I did have my phone light out for the yeah. skein I yeah. purchased to make sure. Because you couldn't tell, unless you had the light on it directly, what some of the colors were. Yeah. So having the phone light was key. But Necessary. those portable <laughs> lights, you can hold them in your hand. They're really small, really light. They fit in your bag really easily. They're great for marketplace events. If you know it's going to be inside, I highly recommend them. I'm never leaving home without, without it, it again. again. If I can remember. Yeah. The other thing, I've even used it at home in the I evening. Too. Yeah. When yeah. you can't either looking for something and or 
trying to see a difference mm-hmm. between yarns. Yeah. So they come in handy, not just <laughs> for yarn Yeah, <laughs> I had mine last year, or I guess it was this year at the retreat. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, because yeah, the retreat lighting is kind yeah. of dark too. So it's a good thing to have if you are a yarn shopper or just right. it's a handy little tool. And then we didn't have a lot of time because we had we had picked out what trains we were going to take in the morning and what train we were going to take home. And we brought lunch <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to. That's the other thing, because in San Francisco, OK, if you if we knew that if we had to go find lunch, that would take another hour At off least. of yeah. our day that we would be able to spend there. So we brought our own lunch. But the one thing that we always allow ourselves the little treat is we did go out and get boba before we called our Uber ride to take us back to the train station. And now, if you don't know what boba is, it's milk tea with little tapioca boba balls in it. Yes. And it's Charlotte, Charlene and I, it's our treat. <laughs> and the boba place was directly across the street from the hotel. And we thought, how lucky is that? How it's meant to be. How lucky is that? Yes. But they were opening their very first we didn't of course we didn't know we had no way of knowing that there was no sign it was their grand opening weekend which means they were still getting their system down yeah so i cannot complain too much that we had to wait 25 or 7 minutes (laughs) for our boba because it was very crowded i'm not complaining because it was their grand opening and it was delicious tea it was delicious tea and they were all half off yeah only they were only charging half the normal price so not gonna complain but (laughs) But adventures ensued because when we got in line, oh we thought, gosh. okay, we have 30 minutes before we need to be on an, in an Uber on the way to the train station. We could have walked it, but we didn't want to use the time walking that we could be shopping. So we decided to use Uber. And by the time we got our tea and I was clicking the Uber button to come get us, there was so much traffic outside that it took the Uber driver... Oh. Oh a gosh. really long time to get there and our train left at like 3:37 and i'm starting to sweat thinking oh man if we miss this train <laughs> we're going to be stuck for a really long time <laughs> and our uber driver when he finally got there <laughs> oh my gosh well and then <laughs> when we first called they show you on the little uber app where you're Pick up where your driver is and where you are, (laughs) and we're standing on the corner. He's not moving. Is he moving? He's not moving. Why isn't he moving? They're not moving. That car isn't moving. And then it like turned around and went another direction. And then we realized all of a sudden, oh, they've given us a new driver Uh because the car, the vehicle that we were looking for, changed. Okay, that's fine. Also, driver approaching from a different street so we walked over to the other corner to try to find the driver and when the driver pulls up he doesn't speak any english at all and as we're climbing in the car charlene's asking him so can you get us to the train station in time and oh yes oh yes oh yes he couldn't know anything she was saying and it it wasn't until i thought about it and his reaction I realized, oh, he probably didn't understand (laughs) what I said, and he's just 
being the yes man. And so. he proceeded to scare the living daylights out of me. I was sitting in the front seat and Gail was sitting in the back seat. So I think Gail had a better view of the near misses. Yeah, that almost took out the side near of the car. misses. Yeah. Not one, but multiple. Plural. Plural. <laughs> I was just sitting in the back of the car cringing like, can oh we get gosh. to the train station any faster? And I'm watching the Uber app because it, it tells you what your arrival time is supposed to be. And I'm assuming it's based on all these satellite things. And, you know, it pretty much knows. Well, it kept the time kept increasing <laughs> as we got closer to the station. <laughs> and there was also another person in the car. And so we're in there for five minutes and my phone rings. I look at my phone and it's Gail texting me from, <laughs> from the, the back seat. <laughs> Giving me updates of what the Uber <laughs> app is telling her. And so finally, the driver pulls over and we were about a quarter of a block away from the train station. But Gail didn't realize where we were. And Gail's like, but where's the train station? I'm like, it's right there. We're getting out. We're going. Because we can walk there faster than waiting in the car. But we didn't walk. We sprinted. We sprinted. And we did sprint. I had forgotten that Caltrain says... It's going to leave at a specific time, but that's what time they open the doors in the station for you to walk out onto the platform and board the train. So it doesn't leave for another probably five minutes, but I thought it was leaving at 3.37. So we sprinted, sprinted. from the car. It was fine that and we sprinted yeah, they had because I would the rather be the there. <laughs> they opened them like right after we walked in, the doors to the platform yeah. opened and it was like, <gasps> okay. I mean, timing... For all of the, all of the stress sweat that occurred, <laughs> the timing worked out okay. Flawlessly. Seriously, walking into the station, queued up with the big group, and they must have opened the doors a minute later. If that, if even that, yeah. and we just got on our train and... Like, tried to fan ourselves off because yes. we were, like, stress sweating, like you said. And very hot. Luckily, our bobas survived. So yes. we had those to look forward to the whole way on the train. And then we got home without any more excitement. Yeah. But it was a really fun day. It was a lot packed into one day. There was a it lot was. of travel yeah. for what we did. But it was fun travel for the most part. For the most part. It was fun I, storytelling. It was fun storytelling. And we have good stories. And... I enjoy taking the train. I do, too. It was a good way to get to San Francisco. The tickets are expensive, but parking in San Francisco is expensive. And the the driving in Uh San Francisco is horrible. Yeah. So So it worked out. I think we probably saved money by taking the train. I think so, too. And we had knitting time. And we had adventures and stories to tell. Yes, exactly. So it was totally the right decision. (laughs) And Caltrain, if you've never taken it, is so peaceful and quiet and smooth. Bart is loud and awful and jerky. But Caltrain is just like this little, ah, you're riding your train and suddenly you're there. And it was great. So it was a super fun day. Probably would do it again. Probably mm-hmm. if it was here every year, I don't think I would do it every year. I probably wouldn't. No. no. Unless I were, like I said, unless I were doing other events or classes yeah. or something. So, Vogue Knitting Live. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> Thumbs up. Hopefully they work on that lighting. And hopefully the other venues, they have better lighting. Yeah. But bring your lights. And if you're a vendor, bring your own lights. 
to yes. shine on your brook at Sincere Absolutely. Sheep had her own lights and it made a world of difference. Yeah, it so. really did. For all the vendors that had their own lightings, I'm sure that they got better sales mm-hmm. than the vendors who did not have lights. I agree. So hopefully you enjoyed the recap. <laughs> and that's it for episode 177. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Happy knitting, happy everyone. Knitting. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniax Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniax.com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniax Podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.